Welcome back to the Deeper Cut podcast, a podcast ministry of Mercy Hill Presbyterian Church in Glassboro, New Jersey. Uh, good day. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, it is Monday, uh, January 23rd, as we are recording this. And so we are back in our studio, aka Pastor Phil's study in Pittman, to uh, have a, a deeper conversation about the sermon that was preached from Mercy Hills Pulpit yesterday on Sunday, January 22nd. And I'm joined, as always, by my cohort and fellow host here, Pastor Phil Henry. Good morning, Phil. How are you? Doing great, Tim. How are you? I'm excellent today. Thanks for having me. A rainy January day. Spring better, is better rain than snow. Spring, I would say. spring is coming. Yeah, I mean, uh, a few people I was with last night said their tulip bulbs are already popping in the ground, and it's January. So. Mine, mine too. <laughs> it's been a relatively mild winter here in New Jersey, and I'm praying that that continues. I'm not a fan of the shoveling of snow. God may have a curveball up his sleeve yet for us with maybe some February snowfall. We'll see. We will see. We will see. Uh, even snow will not, will not prevent us from, from getting together on a Monday to have this podcast and a cup of coffee. Nor, so. nor snow, nor hail. Sounds like the post office. <laughs> we'll come up with our own slogan for that. Um, and joined with us this morning, we have a couple guests in the studio, one who uh, will probably be familiar to our listeners and, and someone brand new to our show. So, Phil, would you do the honors as always? Sure. Aaron, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we, we enjoy having you. And as long as your schedule affords, you have a standing invitation to, to join us here. Thanks. And then a new guest is with us, Vinod Kumar. Welcome, yeah. Vinod. Vinod. It was very nice meeting you all and, and coming here. Vinod is, is a graduate student and from Guntur, India, in, yeah. the, southern, in the southern part of, of India. And we're uh, glad that you've found Mercy Hill and that you can join us this morning. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Yeah, a lot. We are in um, week three of uh, our our sermon on our sermon series on First Peter, um, we've made it out of the first two verses finally, Phil. So you know, exciting, exciting movement. We're here. traveling at a blistering pace, Tim. <laughs> no, it's been excellent. I'm sure um, everyone has been blessed uh, by the past couple of weeks, um, as I have. They haven't been your typical, just background sermons. You know, there's a lot to have been unpacked and. Um, it's been nice to have these conversations on Mondays as well to, to get into it further. And so looking forward to our conversation this morning um, on your sermon from yesterday on verses 3 through 5 um, from 1 Peter 1. And the title of your sermon, for those who have yet to, uh, to go and listen to it on our other podcast channel, was The New You. So I'm my getting daughter a said sense. It was a, it was a little lame. She said my, my title was a little lame. <laughs> well, last week it was your journey uh-huh. with God. Right. So, you know, you're, you're really tapping into the, um, the modern ethos, yeah. you know, the modern uh, mind here with your, with your sermon yeah. titles, at least. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I've, I've gone through phases with sermon titles for a good long while in my ministry. I only used scripture phrases in my sermon titles. With, with this series, I'm trying something different and trying to use this, the sermon title as a way of, of, I guess, helping the listener identify with the message from the get-go and also mm-hmm. helping me to, to kind of a thread to somewhat guide a, a practical emphasis throughout. Uh, we're going to get into some some rough sledding in in First Peter, and so at least for this phase of the teaching and the preaching, I'm I'm focusing on basic themes. Hmm. Right. So week one was election. Mm-hmm. And yeah, last so, week was so um, beneath the the simplistic titles are are some pretty deep theological truths. So right. week one. The title was uh, "You Matter," and 
but the theological truth is uh, sovereign election, unmerited so divine election based on God's foreknowledge from before the foundations of the world. And week two, the, the journey title was based upon scripture's teaching about the exilic or pilgrim nature of the Christian life, which is to say, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. Right. And then with the new you, we're, we're jumping headfirst into regeneration. Right. Deep truths with simple titles. Yes. That's like the, the slogan for the sermon series. So far. So far. <laughs> you know, I, I love that, um, you know, you could go to your Barnes & Noble and probably find two to three dozen books with the title, uh, The New You. And none of them will say anything like what was uh, preached yesterday. Right. Not one of them. So she did uh, throw me a bone, though, though she didn't like this, particularly like the sermon title. She said, I'm glad it wasn't the sermon that was preached on January 1st. But uh, the fact that it was the, the sermon was set up in light of the probable reality that most of us were actively abandoning our new year's resolutions yeah you know as we speak <laughs> yeah or hanging on by a by thread for dear life <laughs> yeah absolutely is, is that been the case for you guys do you have any resolutions for this year no comment no comment <laughs> no. but do they do new year's resolutions in india no no the people make resolutions on new year or we go to the gym Okay. We go to the running. Okay. We start practicing new things, and after one month, the people forget about that. <laughs> okay. So that's very similar to the U.S. That's yeah. what happens here. Yes. I would say if they, if they make it a whole month, then they're doing much better than most of us here. So, <laughs> month a month is uh, excellent. I think Will uh, Will Bausch, one of our other elders, who was narrating yesterday, even kind of made a joke. Um, he's doing a reading, Bible reading plan, and this is the farthest he's ever made it into January without missing a day so far. Yeah. So well done, Will. We're of course, proud of he, you, brother. he did that in part by making public his his intention. So yes. there's some some good old fashioned guilt and shame involved. He doesn't want to be embarrassed, at least not until February. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, you kind of started your um, your sermon ab about that, putting it in the context of resolutions and and uh, things of that nature um and and um why we don't typically keep up with these changes that we try to um impress upon ourselves mm -hmm. or endeavor to uh to keep um but the the sermon was certainly not a self-help um you know, sermon in, in terms of, well, you know, just do better or try harder. And in fact, it's quite, quite the opposite, um, what the Bible True. teaches. Correct. That's the, that's where regeneration comes in. And I think that too often it's at one point in the message and in an earlier version of the sermon, I had this in the beginning, but the phrase, the arm of the flesh and I, I think I quoted Jeremiah 17.5, but it's also in Psalm 73 and First uh, Chronicles and even uh, Paul in talking about the wisdom of man versus the wisdom of God in First uh, Corinthians. I think it's that sort of reliance upon our own natural capacities that leads to so much of the failure or the disenchantment or even the cynicism regarding personal improvement and uh, a Christian is is at a decided advantage because we're we're actually calling upon the power of of Almighty God through his regenerating work in the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to drive like an engine drives personal change it's the power of God through the Holy Spirit that, that catalyzes or, or drives personal change. Um, and yet, Vinod, we talked before the recording started, we were talking about how it's not uncommon to see 
non-Christians, whether they're Hindus or Muslims or just an atheist skeptic, these people make resolutions as well. Yeah. And they strive for personal change. So um, the distinction that theologically we make is if someone doesn't have the Holy Spirit how is that person changing and the answer is it's by God's common grace not by his regenerating grace so Aaron when you when you when you became a believer did you notice a distinct difference in your ability to make changes and to live differently um, yeah, I think in some areas uh, of my life, definitely. Um, I became a Christian when I was a in high school, so uh, and I was I was pretty. I think one of the areas that changed the most was the grades that I got in school. Like I was like the worst student in my class before, not because I wasn't uh, able to keep up. I I, I just wasn't a I didn't like uh, studying. I didn't wasn't really motivated, um, and uh, I had a really bad attitude towards a lot of things like that. And when I became a Christian, I, I like almost immediately my junior year of high school, I was uh, in honors and everything like that. And um, I think it part of the reason was my attitude changed about God and the world that He's made, and um, I wanted to study things because. Uh, it honored God. It didn't. It was dishonoring to God to neglect my studies. So mm. I mean, that's just one area I, I can think of that it had an immediate impact on my life when I became a Christian. How about you, Vinod? How did your life change when you became a Christian? The life has changed a lot when I started believing. Uh, when we start believing, we have to be patient for the things to happen. We have to believe in God and we have to be very patient. Hmm. It takes some time, but it will it will happen hmm. if we believe in God. Hmm. Uh, for me, so many things have been happened. Uh, when I came, uh, when I when, when I first thought of going to another country, my mother didn't accept it. I have done so many things to ask her and take her permission because my I don't have a father. So she didn't allow me to go to another country. Then I have asked her so many times and for so many months. At last, she has accepted me to go to the another country mm-hmm. for the, my studies. When I believed in God, that's only that's the time only she accepted me. Hmm. Go to the other country. Hmm. Okay, you can go. Hmm. I have believe in you. She said like that. So she saw a new Vinod. Yeah, a new Vinod in me. And that caused her to have more confidence in you. That's, yeah. that's interesting, Tim, hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Um. I know I was treated differently by my parents and by my other family members, my brother, and even my friends. Yeah. When the new Phil came around, when I was 18. Hmm. Yeah, similar experience. Um, I wouldn't say as encouraging as what Vinod is sharing with his mm-hmm. mom. More on the other side. Like, oh, wh- so why are you some, some like resistance this now? Yeah. yeah. Why? Uh, you've changed. You've changed, man. You know that those kinds of things. We liked the old Tim better. Um, maybe in some regards, mm-hmm. yeah. Or why did you feel like you needed the change? I think that's and that's kind of getting back to your sermon. Is it, it's perceived as it, for, in my life, it was perceived as me changing or me deciding to change. I see. And in some ways, I did. I I was trying to own um, my faith, you know, and my walk with the Lord, but. Um, as we talked about last week, God places you on that journey. God um, initiates or um, causes you, causes the new self, causes mm-hmm. the rebirth. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I'm 
doing in and of mm -hmm. my own accord, you know, not that I'm along for the ride per se, but you know, this is your first point was it's caused by God. Mm -hmm. It's not caused by, it's not caused by you. So I think that's a hard thing for, um, non-Christians to wrap their heads around when there is a distinct change in someone's life, when they come to faith in Christ. So in, in that, in that vein, Tim, I explained one proof. It's a, I guess it's a kind of proof. It's also, um, um, I guess a reason that it has to be caused by God. And that's specifically because we're, we're sinners and um, um, Voss, in in his instruction on sin, points uh, points out that the act of sin for Adam created the status of sinner. But ever since then, the status of sinner leads to the act of sin. Does this make sense? What I'm saying, Vinod? Yeah. So for the first man who was innocent, he sinned with his action and then became condemned as a sinner. But for all other men and women since Adam, we're, we're condemned as sinners, which leads to our sinning. So, so sometimes, Aaron, I think maybe you've heard this, we're sinners who sin. We don't become sinners by our sin, it's not our actions that lead to the status. We're actually condemned sinners from birth in connection with our, our, our Adamic nature. Yeah. This is why regeneration has to happen to us. So any, any thoughts on that from either our guests or from you, Tim? Uh, one of the things that, that I was thinking about with that is uh, I think... I forget who you quoted, but you said that all of our uh, being acts in concert together to sin yeah, against God. Yeah, orchestra of yeah. sin. Mm -hmm. That was vivid. Yeah. I, I thought that was great. Um, we don't like to admit it, but in our natural state, we can choose the sins that we commit, but we can't choose not to sin. Um, and we're wholly inclined towards uh, sin and towards ourselves, and um, and we need God's grace to remove that from us and to give us the ability to turn outward from ourselves and turn towards the God who made us and, and to be able to love God and to love our neighbor. That's, that's impossible to do without the new birth. Hmm. But we, we try to give ourselves more credit sometimes than, than we deserve. We don't get a lot of amens in a Presbyterian church, but you know you've made a good point, Phil, when you hear a bunch of Mm. Uh, and I heard a lot of that when you made that point. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So okay. um, you probably couldn't hear it from the pulpit. No. Yeah, it was it was a good it was a good point. My mind goes to um, kind of the beginning of verse three, according to God's mercy. Ah, uh, yes. And the whole everything else that happens in that huge run-on sentence is according to His mercy. So that's kind of the context. And um, so when I think about that. Um, it is only by God's mercy mm -hmm. that any of that happens, you know. And it, it is interesting, Vinod, do you remember in the sermon I mentioned three men who received mercy, some of the greatest men in the church, in, in, in church history. The Apostle Paul received mercy on the Damascus Road. He was on his way to persecute Christians. And Jesus, in his uh, amazing way, stopped the Apostle Paul, threw him off his horseback, and appeared to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the description of that in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 says, I, a blasphemer, Paul says, received mercy. And then King David received mercy. And we know this from Psalm 51, where he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, a sinner. And then, of course, Peter himself received mercy. He was a good old, good old boy throwing out his net. Mm -hmm. And in Luke chapter 5, Luke tells us that when Jesus showed him where to catch more fish, Peter's immediate conclusion was, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. 
So is that your experience when, when you became a Christian, you felt the mercy of God, Vinod? Yeah, I felt the mercy of God. it's hard to identify I mean I'm thinking back to when I became a Christian I don't think I immediately recognized that as God's mercy I think in keeping with or jumping on the back of what Aaron said that we tried to take more credit not that I tried to take credit for my salvation but it was a lot more me centric like oh man I realize how bad of a sinner I am you know the the, the realization of the hmm. um, the orchestra of sin you know <laughs> kind of um, it started to click in my head, but even that it's hard, I think, to get my head from that and onto God's mercy, hmm. you know, and even now I'd say that I often struggle, um, in living out the gospel and in, in, um, trying to, to pay penance for my sin hmm. you know, or, or to, to make it bigger than it is. Not that sin is a small thing by any means, but to um, reduce in some way, maybe not on, on purpose, but in, in practice or in essence, in uh, reduce what Jesus did and be like, you know, this is, this is more about my sin than about the redemption I have in, in Christ. So it's, it's a struggle, hmm. I think, that I have. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that, that feel similarly. I, I definitely say I'm fall more on the side of law than grace in my hmm. own life in that regard. That may relate to the need for a Christian who even has been walking with, with the Lord for many years to be reminded that it's according to his mercy and hence the need for preaching Christ every single Sunday from the pulpit, don't you think, Tim? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. And not only is it according to his mercy, Phil, I mean, I really appreciated kind of your exegesis of, of those verses because it is so abundantly clear that it has not nothing to do with us, but it is all on God's side of the ledger. Mm -hmm. Everything. Um, yeah, created by God and kept by God. So, and even our faith is, is ultimately a gift from God. Right. Yeah. Um, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. Mm -hmm. So it's not even, a, it's our faith, but it's <clears throat> his power that mm -hmm. enables our faith. So it's really, you know, we're kind of um, a <laughs> small part to play here. You know, I think, did you use the example of the mustard seed? I think I did. did. Yeah, I did. And I had recently read that passage in Matthew. Um, and so that was a helpful reminder. I may have referred to the mustard seed when we were uh, preparing to take communion. I don't oh, remember. Oh, okay. I thought I remembered you. I couldn't place it in your sermon, mm -hmm. so you might be correct in that. But it still, I think, is a good illustration of what that point in particular mm -hmm. about your faith, because it's not about the size or even the strength of your faith. It's what your faith is in. I had a um, campus minister when I was in college use the example of, like, you know, your rock climbing and you're losing your footing and you go to grab a hold on something and you get this like little uh, branch or this little plant. It's not a huge tree, not a big trunk coming out the side of the cliff face, but as long as that thing holds, mm. that's all that matters. And you're better off grabbing that than the boulder that might crumble and fall to the ground. So it's, it's true. What your, your faith is in not so much true. the strength of it per se. Mm. So anyway. Phil, you had some, um, I thought, really good um, application considerations for us. Um, and considering the whole message of the sermon was about the new you and what God is, has done for you and is doing for you and will do for you. Um, you know, we... we talking about faith you know it's an instrument you said it's an instrument that we use through god's power but that we kind of have to own that and so i thought that there was some good points i thought maybe since um 
we don't really get to go into that. And it's not a conversation when you're preaching. Mm-hmm. We can talk about some of those points today sure. in terms of, um, you know, takeaways or how do we apply this? Mm-hmm. I have your notes before me. I, I'm sure you have them too, or you probably have them memorized cause you, you preach the sermon, but, um, gratitude in the face of difficulty or delay guidance by God's word, not your own feelings or experiences. And then, uh, grading your growth on on a curve lots of g's yes it's helpful alliteration yes (laughs) which one stood out to you as as being uh maybe i'll toss this to aaron uh, as being particularly helpful as you think about walking by faith you know we begin the journey by faith but then we need to uh, until that salvation which is ready to be revealed until it is revealed We've got to walk by faith. And as we're going to see in the coming weeks, that takes us down a fairly twisted road. Yeah. So these, these are three uh, maybe mindsets, Aaron, or uh, a frame of mind, or three ways to orient yourself on, on your journey. Maybe they, they help us maximize uh, the, the power of God as we trust in Him. Did any stand out to you, Aaron? Uh, yeah, I think the one about um, living lives of, of gratitude towards the Lord for uh, the new birth and for all He's done for us, um, and that being an exercise of our faith, uh, kind of hit home for me yesterday. Uh, it's not only that we we come to faith in Christ um, in the moment of justification. We, we talk about faith being the instrumental cause of justification. And you mentioned how it begins with faith, but every step along the way is a step of faith for us as well. And, uh, and as we, the, the longer we are Christians, we realize more how sinful we are and how much God has really done for us in the new birth. Um, and that results in uh, gratefulness, that results in obedience uh, towards God. And so I think it's helpful too to see like our obligation towards Christ, like we talked about that, I think, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, the obedience to Christ. Um, it's, it's not so much to earn God's favor, but out of gratitude for what Christ has done for us, we willingly obey Christ. And uh, Grace and I have been reading through the Heidelberg Catechism, and one of the ways they frame it is, how can we live in, in the joy and comfort of um, the, the gospel? And the answer is, three things how we know our misery and our sin two we know how we've been delivered from that sin and misery and three how we're to be grateful to god for such a deliverance and that really summarizes how we we live the christian life we know what we've been delivered from we know the new life in christ that we have and we gratefully obey christ uh, because of of those things as well so gratitude wasn't original with me Man, I thought I thought I had stumbled on something there, <laughs> and here it's in the Heidelberg Catechism all along. <laughs> you guys, speaking of G's, the three G's there, Vinod, are guilt, grace, and gratitude, okay. as a way of summarizing the gospel. I'm guilty for my sin. Yeah. God's grace has saved me from my sin, and now I live how, with thankfulness, with gratitude. Vinod, I wonder in in Hinduism, which is was your former faith or religion is gratitude play a role and how is gratitude as a Christian different uh, I don't know you don't know is is uh, gratitude or thankfulness something that is yeah. emphasized for Hindus yeah in in Mahabharata you know mm-hmm. Lord Krishna mm-hmm. he says about it empathy gratitude and everything but th- why why are you to be grateful as a Hindu? Like, is it is it just to follow the the rule or t- the the uh, instruction? No, my my perspective is different. Uh, can I ask you a question? Please. Yeah, until the 16th century, uh, I think it's 1473. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vasco da Gama uh, invented a sea route to the India. Mm-hmm. Until that time. India is a Hindu country. There is no Jesus mm-hmm. and any other God. 
until that time there is only hindu gods are there people believe only hindu gods after after the british people came came to our country the people are believing in christianity before that the people believed in lord krishna and lord rama the hindu gods uh, ramayana is about the hindu ram lord sri ram and uh, mahabharat is about lord krishna uh, lord ram tells us how how a person can live with good amish means uh, and krishna said that a person cannot live like a he told us about the bad things okay mm-hmm. and there are proofs are there like a uh, in jerusalem jesus was born he was believed there up to 30 years like that like that in india also there are some place the gods has been existed so my perspective is why should believe in why should i believe in lord jesus up to you know up to up to the may may 2022 my perspective was like that why should i believe in lord jesus mm-hmm. why shouldn't i believe in lord krishna or lord rama or uh, any muslim god buddha there are so many gods mm-hmm. there are existed and there are proofs in there are proofs because if we go to dwarka and uh, the sea route in, in india to sri lanka there is a sea route you know there is a bridge the ramayana told, tells us that it was built by lord rama and there are so many books are written on that so there are proofs about the existence of hindu gods are also and uh, christian gods are also so why should i believe in lord lord jesus because he is not my country i haven't seen anything about him i only heard about him in books and some prayers my perspective was like that up to that time after that i started li- realizing that oh these are uh, the hindu gods are also humans but the lo- the jesus was born to to his father who is a god and he was sacrificing his life for us yes then i realized and i started believing in him it's a great story with some really fascinating details about stuff um i guess religious history that i know i'm not very familiar with yeah um and it's in our text as well vinod when it says uh tim you've got the scriptures there by the resurrection mm-hmm. of jesus christ from the dead yeah so Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead so i would say the hindu the buddhist the muslim have hope yeah. of their own kind but our hope is tied to the the divine christ who lived died and rose again for our sins and so peter the apostle peter calls our hope in differentiation from other hope a living hope uh and that's a very intentional i think that fuels our gratitude differently so whereas a hindu or a muslim may have gratitude it's not a living it's not a thankfulness that's based on a living hope so i think that's very important as we think about our our resolutions and becoming uh self improvement you mentioned self help tim I, th- i think there's an there's a superficial similarity to the progress that we want to make i mean uh probably a christian and a hindu both want to become more physically fit lose a few pounds go to the gym right uh both a hindu and a christian want to start a new job to make more money to take care of our family um uh, but only the christian is motivated to do those things based on a living hope through jesus christ who rose from the dead yeah hope that is um comes is based in heaven comes from heaven comes from god himself right so that, mm-hmm. like what vinod was saying 
this is, I think, one of only a handful of places in the New Testament where Jesus is referred in relation to the Father. Hmm. You know, so in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. There's like five other places, four hmm. or five other places in the New Testament. Yeah, it's distinct. Where Jesus, in his relation to the Father, I mean, he does it himself, obviously, Jesus does, but where the other writers refer to him in in relation to the Father. Um, mm-hmm. And so the fact that this is caused by God and is held in heaven by God and kept for us is, I think, completely distinct and unique. Because, again, it comes back to, you know, we, we haven't earned this. We don't deserve it. We're not keeping it. We're not doing it all that well. So, we, I mean, it, to me, it's a reason to be grateful every day. Because it's a reminder every mm-hmm. every day that uh, I didn't earn it yesterday, and I'm certainly not going to earn it today. You know, um, with the, how I'm living my life. What, so. a, what about grading on a curve? What do you think of that counsel? How to walk by faith? Well, make sure you kind of grade yourself on a curve. I, I think I might have tipped my hand on this one already this morning because I think I, I'm much. Um, at times harder on myself um, than certainly than God God is because in, in his eyes I'm I'm justified by by Christ so um, but yeah I, I think it's a, a certainly a really helpful reminder particularly um, not to paint with broad strokes but you know in reformed Protestant um, flavor of of the Christian faith, I think often we we tend to, um, I think in a good way, try to keep high standards, but also that that becomes a work in and of itself, mm-hmm. or can be uh, a temptation to become a work in and of itself. So, um, uh, and Philip, uh, I have asked my mother about the qu- this question: Why should I believe in Jesus? She said to me that, you know, if you if you think about other, all the gods in the world, in their lifetime they have done any one sin, but Lord Jesus hasn't done any sin in his life. He hasn't married, he hasn't drank, drank he hasn't smoked, he hasn't seen a woman. Uh, even his birth was very great. He has been born to a lady which hasn't been married so know about the jesus you will get so many things mm-hmm. that's when i started believing in lord the, the sinlessness of christ i guess we can give ourselves some room to make progress in part because he kept the law perfectly this mm-hmm. is what vinod is saying and mm-hmm. i think i think that is important that if you hold yourself to a, an exact punch list, it's either um, an illusion of rigor that isn't nearly rigorous enough, right. or it's, um, it's an indication of your own, I guess... Improvement? Uh, yeah, your, your attempts to, to make self-improvement apart from the grace of God, which is idolatry. Mm. An image I always go back to in my mind is uh, if you were if you were going to run a marathon, and every step you took you just fell. But you fell towards the end of the marathon. You eventually would cross that finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea, and I, I probably have, if I haven't said it on this podcast yet, this won't be the first or last time. But or it is the first, but it won't be the last. Um, failing in the right direction mm-hmm. or falling in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to kind of preach that to myself as a reminder that it's uh, failure in, in, in a lot of ways is inevitable. You know, we are sinners. We already talked about this. We sin because we're sinners. Um, but at the same time, um, if I just sit there and do nothing, that is, wor- that is worse than trying to mm. make progress. Mm. Because... If I sit there and do nothing, then I'm not even taking hold 
of the faith that God has empowered me to, mm-hmm. to have. True. So, um, yeah, the grading on a curve is, is a, a, a much more eloquent, eloquent way of, of saying what, I, what I'm trying to say. I'll give a little <laughs> story here. My, <clears throat> my first year teaching, first semester of my first year teaching, this is many, many, many ages ago, as a science teacher in a middle school and high school, public middle school, high school in Indiana, uh, I gave out my, actually, the note, my uh, supervising teacher was a Hindu from India, Shukla is his name, Mr. Ashwin Shukla. Okay. And he was my ride to school also. And he smoked, smoked the cigarettes. <laughs> and even in the winter, he smoked the sick. So I would have the window cracked just to breathe in the car. <laughs> and, you know, you can picture me with my lips to the window. You know, trying to get fresh air because he smoked like a chimney. But a, a really good man and a good friend and wise, a wise teacher, speaking of God's common grace. And he came to me at the end of the semester with a printout of my grades. And he says, and my, my Indian accent is bad, but he said, Philip, so many F's. So many F's. <laughs> Why so many F's? And I said, Mr. Shukla, uh, I'm, I'm just grading according to the uh, state standards. And, the, you know, these kids, they have, uh, you know, they have no respect, you know. I'm all of 22 years old. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and he goes, he says, Gregory, I, I taught Gregory's parents I taught his grandparents. Surely Gregory gets a passing grade. No, you know, great. And he goes through many, many names like this. So I'm telling the story to my dad over the phone, and he said, I think you should grade on the curve. <laughs> and I said, well, what? Grade on the curve? What, what do you mean? He says, I think you'll be happier, your supervisor will be happier, and, the, and everyone will be happier. And uh, uh, I was having nothing to do with grading on the curve. But eventually, I I tried it, and my dad was right. So I, I guess I put this to you, Aaron. Was was my dad right in in, in giving that advice? What do you think about that story? <laughs> probably, yeah, probably right. Um, I I think that we can be gracious to people in their attempts, um, bringing it back to even a brother or sister in Christ who is is uh, faltering in in sin being gracious to them and extending grace to them um, because Christ died for them, you know? So, yeah, your, your dad was probably Not right. hit, hitting them so hard with the law of the state's yes. biology standards for <laughs> what a ninth grade student should know. Yeah. My, my predecessor in, in the role also was overly gracious, and so mm. I was hired in part to uh, kind of, you, you know the phrase, whip them into shape. Yeah, and I, I, I took that a little too far. I think is is what the the gist of it was. Mm-hmm. So, that that kind of um, the grading on the curve and, and not, I think you said it's not all or nothing, you know, something along those lines, that plays into, um, or it speaks to. Some of the other questions that you brought about uh, kind of theoretical questions in, in your sermon that maybe we would be tempted or Christian would be tempted to struggle with like can I can I lose my salvation or mm-hmm. what if I don't see fruit in my mm-hmm. life or you know Vinod you said you know you got to be patient you know these things don't happen instantaneously um, yeah so the grading on the curve I think also speaks to that it's it like, does you know Let's let's cut ourselves a little bit of slack here, not not in the sense of let's not try or let's be lazy mm-hmm. or let's make excuses. Not in that regard, but um, you know we do have a, a perfect Savior who lived a perfect life and has given us that righteousness, has imputed mm-hmm. that righteousness to us. So mm-hmm. um, maybe you want to talk about some of those other questions that you kind of brought up. Sure, can a can a born-again believer, a regenerated sinner, lose his salvation. Now, Vinod, did your mom teach you about this or if you learned about 
can I lose my salvation? Is that a question you've asked, or has someone explained that before? No. No? Aaron, wh what did you used to think about that, and what do you think today? Um, so I went through a phase in my life where I would have said yes. Um, I, I don't really think I understood the gospel at that time. Um, but something that's been helpful to me is I think when we ask that question, we're giving ourselves too much credit. Um, like one, one pastor, I think it was uh, John MacArthur said, if you could lose your salvation, you would. <laughs> you would have already lost it. Like if, if it was up to us, then every person that's ever lived would have lost their salvation by now. And so we give ourselves way too much credit. But the, the text says that we're being kept by God. It depends on Him. And because it depends on Him, it can't be lost. Christ isn't going to uh, fail in any of His purposes. Mm. So that's the comfort that, that I take, even in my own failings, that um, I belong to Christ, and that because He's started this work, uh, He's going to be faithful to bring it to completion, Paul says. Amen. What do you think about that, Benod? Does that make sense? Yeah. If we're kept by God, then my sin cannot release me from God. God's holding me. God's keeping me. He's saving me. He's saving me. So even when I lose faith, God still keeps me. Yeah, I believe in that. You believe in that. That's different. Uh, Tim, you were raised in the Roman Catholic tradition. What, what kind of, when you thought about those things, and not every Catholic kid does, but uh, when, when you thought about such things, what came to mind or what were you taught? Um, I don't think I thought much about it in that way. I think in my mind it was um, um, I'll put it this way. It's a works-based gospel, but your works only have to be better than the next guy's works. Okay. So you're always looking I'm around a, the room. I'm a good person. I'm a good kid. I go to church more than just Christmas and Easter. I'm good. Right. You know, that, like that's kind of enough. Right. You know, I've been baptized. I was had first Holy Communion. I was confirmed in the church, and and so I I went through the sacraments. You know, I went to church. I believed in God. That was kind of, I checked the boxes. So that, that version might be kept by the church in, yeah. in an odd sort of way. Or tradition or... Kept yeah. by my practice. Yeah. And so since the bar something. is low, I guess there's not really any concern of losing something that's, that's so easily kept. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, um, used this analogy a couple of weeks ago in a different context, but it's, you know, you're a fish in water, so you don't really know any different, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And so there's no reason to necessarily think, well, why, why would I not be okay? You know, because mm. the idea of sin isn't being pushed. It's not like, you know, your, your total depravity doesn't exist. Um, in that context. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you don't, you don't really give it much more thought. I don't think, or at least I didn't. And it wasn't until I heard the gospel and it started, you know, God through the work of the Holy spirit, kind of opening my eyes to the, the, the concept that my sin is because I'm a sinner. Like we talked about earlier. Um, and that goes, deeper than I can even realize, mm -hmm. you know, and I think it was, um, kind of the, the linchpin moment in, in my intellectual understanding was when I was realizing that even my quote unquote repentance, which really wasn't repentance, but my idea of repentance at the time was not, was sinful in and of itself. Like I'm only sorry because I don't want to get punished. You know, it's not like I'm actually sorry for the things I do bad. So I can't even do repentance righteously in that regard. Mm. And then it's, uh, oh, like, oh, man, this is like a never-ending pit, you know, that I can't get myself out of. I can't work hard enough. I can't earn it, you know. And if I tried, it would be for the wrong motivations. 
and so on and so forth. And so that's when, you know, the, um, the mercy of God sets in, you know. I think for me, my story, Aaron sh- shared his a little bit and you've shared yours, is a little different in the sense that uh, Jack Miller talks about something called an orphan mindset or acting like an orphan and sonship is is a key theme in, in a lot of his writings uh, living and acting as if I am a son versus living and acting as if I have no heavenly father you know Vinod has lost his father uh, and you probably feel lonely sometimes in missing yeah. him but if we had no heavenly father then the loss of an earthly father would be devastating it's the knowledge that I have a heavenly father who loves me and is keeping me, even if an earthly father fails me. So I think I bring, because of my own particular sin and my struggle, even to this day, I, I will, again, quoting or paraphrasing Jack Miller, I'll act like an orphan, act like I'm not being kept by God, mm. act like it does depend upon me, as if I can, to your question, if I, can I lose my salvation? Well, based on the way you're acting right now, it looks like you're fighting for dear life. Mm. And there isn't that uh, easy like Sunday morning. I love that song because it, it speaks to a lifestyle. You know, but what Sunday morning really means, not just sleeping in and sipping a cup of coffee, but the gospel of our salvation kind of Sunday morning, the resurrection of Christ. My life should be easy like Sunday morning because Jesus is alive and I'm being kept by God and I can therefore smile in the face of my difficulties and walk with gratitude and be guided by God's word and not my feelings. And be patient and be kind and be Mm -hmm. the fruit starts coming out. It does. You start taking that perspective. It does. Yeah, it's really, really helpful to hear out of, uh, or to get out of two verses, two or three, two or three verses. Um, and uh, you said it in weeks, the past couple of weeks, and you said it again this morning before we, we started recording that it's good to get, kind of set, set the, I say set the tone, but kind of set the table, if you will, because things will get, as we all know, just from life, things are not as easy as Sunday morning. Right. Most often. Right. So the first four sermons here are kind of setting the four corners of a foundation. We've got, we've got election. We've got exile. We've got the new birth or regeneration. And then next week is suffering. And those four concepts essentially frame everything else in Peter to one degree or another. Some of the passages, all four come into play, but every other passage in Peter touches on one of those four topics. Mm. So he, he, he wrote a coherent letter in giving us these four themes at, at the front end, and it's helpful, I think, in preaching that y- you set those kind of corners, or even like if it's a gem, you set those gems in clear light so mm. that they can be appreciated for the rest of the series. Uh, no one has uh, brought up the, the Moby Dick illustration. That was my daughter's favorite part. <laughs> have, that, have any of you read Moby Dick? No. No? Not the whole book. No. So this is, this is the book. I have my copy here. Um, and of course, talk about playing to the crowd. Elder Will Bausch has read Moby Dick multiple times. He was not even in the service, so it was like I, <laughs> I, I missed my moment. He, Will, got, he got a shout out, though. He did. Yeah. He would have been grinning ear to ear. Um, but uh, when I told him I referenced Moby Dick, he texted me and invited me to, there's some annual conference where people read Moby Dick in 24 hours, like to read the whole book. Up oh, in. Man up in Nantucket or, or someplace up in Massachusetts. But uh, the, the phrase was, um, uh, 
Uh, I'm, I'm looking at my copy here. <laughs> so, so uh, Melville says, the tendency to rapid sinking in the substance was in the present instance materially counteracted by the other parts of the head remaining detached, undetached from it, so that it sank very slowly and deliberately indeed, affording Queequeg, a fair, here's the quote, a fair chance for performing his agile obstetrics on the run, as you may say. Yes, it was a running delivery, so it was. <laughs> so, um, he died twice. He was drowning in in the in the spermacity oil of the whale's head, which was then drowning in the ocean, and it took the the agile obstetrics of Queequeg, dagger in hand as he's flying through the air, plunging the knife into the head, and uh, yeah, I definitely got in got into that mm. illustration. Probably <laughs> showed, didn't it? Yes, it did. Well, you're bringing it back up in the deeper cut, so. We know how much you enjoy that. Yeah, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to to lose an opportunity to to bring it up. It again. is a very um, what's the word I'm looking for. I mean, it's 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 a very descriptive imagery there from Melville, for sure. It, Although, if you if you translate that into you know the, the Christian Christian faith, you know our our Savior, so to speak, comes. Uh, in a manger as a baby, not a guy with a knife cutting through the head of a whale. Mm -hmm. So even even in that regard, when you're talking about a, a, a savior of sorts, you know, in that in that case, it's very uh, different than what most people would it think is. of as a savior. It is, but an, an unlikely savior nonetheless, because Queequeg is this odd character in the story that no one really knows what to do with. I think at one point he's described as having tattoos on every square inch of his body. And he's a, a man from the East, so he's a strange figure. Will, Will can tell us. He can mm. give us the, the explanation of Queequeg's significance. You and Will can do the episode on okay. the Moby Dick. Okay. <laughs> I'll produce it for you, but I won't have much to add. And I don't think I have uh, 24 hours to put aside to read the book. No, probably not. At this not. point, so we've gone a little a little off topic here, but um, bringing us back around. Any other um, kind of uh, application points in your mind, Phil, that we can um, kind of wrap up with this morning when we're talking about the new self and what God wants us to hear. I, I just I want to encourage our listeners to to just to press on hmm. in their resolve to become new persons in Christ, despite the difficulties that they may face and and despite the seeming lack of progress, you know, Vinod's reminder to us all that we need to be patient is, is a very good one mm. and um, it, it went beyond the actual sermon recording but in the Lord's Supper you know some of my comments were to to that end Re refuel your faith by the by being refreshed once again in the good news of the gospel and uh, don't grow weary in well-doing. Christ mm. is with you, and he will sustain you. Mm. Aaron, Benod, any, uh, any other encouragements you take from, from Phil's sermon yesterday? Or this conversation? Yeah, one of the, uh, the thoughts I have about it is... Um, just the, the phrase that we've been born again, I think it says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's, it's not our, um, our effort. It's not the work of the flesh. It's truly our union with Christ that brings about this change. 
um, in our lives. So if we get, we tend to get focused on our own ability to change ourselves, our own ability to keep our resolutions. Um, and, and the fact is we're new people. We have new life because we're united to the new man, Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, I think of Paul in Romans six, he talks about the old man's been crucified and we have new life in Christ. And he says that on the heel of Romans five, the first man, Adam, through his, his transgression brought sin and death to everyone whom he represented. And the new man, Christ, brings righteousness and peace and life to everyone whom he represents. And so it's not so much about what I can do and so much about my new life as it is my new life in Christ, the head of a new humanity. Um, and so when we view it in that sense, that kind of draws us away from legalism. It draws us away from being so focused on um, ourself and our performance and our ability to affect this change in our life. Hmm. And so that's one of the things I, I've tried to, to think about um, in the past couple hours since the sermon yesterday. And uh, it's encouraging to know that, that I'm not the cause of it and God is the one who caused it in my life and that it's through my union with Jesus Christ that I not only have justification, but that I will have sanctification, ultimately glorification. He's, he's begun the process, and He's going to complete it because it's not about me or what I can do. It's about what He's doing in my life. Hmm. Uh, I came just uh, four months back, but I didn't have an opportunity to go to the church. I just came yesterday to the Mercy Hill, and I met him. And uh, he invited me to his house and uh, we had a lunch and uh, we have shared, I have shared my experiences here and uh, he has asked me about the things I have done in my past. I think this opportunity will give me, uh, once I have made a promise to my mom, uh, every Sunday I will go to the church. It is an opportunity to make the promise mm. because in this four in these four months, I have I didn't had an opportunity to go the, to go to the church because I was in a work, which is which starts in the morning eight until the four o'clock in the evening, even in Sunday. So I didn't got any time. Now I have time. I will try to go to the church every Sunday. Hmm. Well, we so greatly appreciate you being here. This morning, yeah. we know it and sharing um, what an encouragement to see not just not just yourself, but although you're, you're uh, a new friend and a new brother to us, but what God's doing in our lives, you know, and we can rejoice in that, you know, in the new birth. I, I was thinking, Aaron, what you were sharing, it just it should bring us so much joy, you know. There's a song, and I don't remember all the words, but it it, it takes these first few verses from first peter and in, in song form and the chorus is we greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible mm. greatly rejoice with glorious praise greatly rejoice in a life incorruptible love beyond measure and infinite grace mm. and um i know i don't live that out as much as i should based on these truths like my life is should be so overflowing with joy um and so that's my my takeaway not a, not as a, a work of salvation, but working out my my salvation with joy because of what Christ has done for me and God's mercy in my life. So I encourage Amen. you guys, not just sitting here with me, but everyone listening. Um, if you know Jesus, there is no no more joy than that um, to be had in this life and uh, end in the life to come. So. Um, you know, let's let's live that out. Let's live lives of, that are joyful. And I think one of your questions was, um, or or actually your applications was gratitude in the midst of trial or, you know, if there's delay in, in something, you know, you're working on something in yourself and it doesn't come right away. We talked about patience this morning. We can still find joy mm -hmm. even in the midst of that. Um, and especially in the midst of that, I would say. So that will segue well to next week. <laughs> A little teaser there, uh, unintended. Um, 
But as always, it's been a, a pleasure to uh, have this conversation with you guys this morning um, to get into the sermon on a, on a deeper level to talk about some of the implications. Um, we do have a, uh, an email address, uh, the deeper cut at mercyhillnj.org. Um, which I might have mentioned one of the first weeks. The rec- that recording might not even be up, <laughs> up on the podcast yet. Uh, I still have to go back and find the lost episode, episode one, and get that published. But um, if you have questions for us, you can reach out through that email or to me or Phil um, on our website. As always, we have an open invitation for anyone who who wish to join us and, and take part in the conversation live. Um, we'll We'll figure out schedules. We, we meaning Phil and I, have different schedules to begin with, so we're kind of always um, working on that. So we, we'd love to have you and to have you be part of our conversation. Thanks, Aaron, again, for joining, joining us. Um, I know your, your work is hot and cold, and so I'll say selfishly, when it's cold, I enjoy it because I get to spend more time with you, brother. So thanks for being here today. It's always a pleasure. And Vinod, we we hope that you'll come back again, yeah, and continue to uh, to uh, be a part of this conversation with us. Uh, there's a lot more to come, and we're we're only three weeks in, so a lot lot to look forward to. Hopefully, we whet your appetite a little bit this morning for um, what's on on deck next week. Uh, and until then, we pray that uh, you will be blessed and that um, you'll persevere with joy. And be thankful for what God has done. Phil, any parting thoughts this morning? No, thanks. Thanks for a great conversation today, Tim. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Have a blessed day.